Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 251. My name is John. Your name is Ryan. It's a Saturday morning. Technology is not working in our favor today. We're going to fire off a super quick episode talking about Star Wars visions, and we're not going to let our technology woes or our busy schedules get in the way from producing one hell of a kick-ass episode of the Blockade Runner podcast this morning. Ryan, what's up, Ryan? Nothing. Lightning round. Let's go. All right, let's go. Uh, Hey, let's talk about the writer strike. Yep. It's happening. The writer strike is happening, yeah. Um, You thought it was important to talk about. I agree, so I'll let you take the lead on this. Sure, yeah. I think um, this strike is something that's um, kind of a long time coming, um, but also a culmination of a lot of things that are happening in the media industry and landscape right now. Um, you know, we have this, um, trend, um, within some of these, um, giant media conglomerates to be, you know, so focused on growth metrics that are just impossible, um, that, um, despite profitability, um, they, are just trying to cut costs in every single way possible. And, you know, we have the consolidation of media companies and they just keep getting bigger and they just keep getting more shareholders and, um, you know, people at the executive level of these companies are making hundreds of millions of dollars and it's just not enough for these blood-sucking capitalist leeches. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, there's things that are, you know, being entertained around, like, you know, it would be, sure could cut some costs if we just had, you know, AI writing these shows and, uh, you know... Or polishing scripts or, you know, whatever else um, these dorks think um, is going to is going to save them, save them a few bucks and just, you know, reduce the human uh, workforce. So, yeah, I think it is a very, uh, you know, everything is kind of coming to a head right now. Um, Studios were, you know. The Writers Guild made some demands. Studios were not willing to budge on them. And, you know, I've kind of oversimplified things from, like, a biased perspective here, and I recognize that. But um, this does feel like a lot of things coming together and creating this inevitable uh, clash. And um, we are going to see the effects of it in all of the media that we plan to consume in the future, and it is going to affect Star Wars. So I felt that it was important to bring up here. Yeah, I'm biased as well because, um, you know, I'm a union member. I've been a union member for life, um, and I, uh, yeah, just completely support, obviously, the Writers Guild and um, all of the writers in, in Hollywood and elsewhere that are on strike. Um, I, you know, I... I'm not super educated about this, like what's going on this week and, and all the issues that led up to it. And I wouldn't pretend to, to kind of, you know, be, have any expertise on, 
the many issues that are facing this, but, you know, I can just say like from the perspective of a teacher, you know, who, uh, I haven't luckily have not had to strike, but you know, we've been close a few times and, um, you know, I know that like the support of the community is super important and, um, like, unless you work in education, you know, um, just like any field, unless you work in education, I feel like you don't totally get all the finer details and you don't know how the sausage is made completely. Right. Cause you're not there. Um, but there's still a lot, a lot of people who are ready to support and have your back. Like when, you know, you as a union and a collective, um, decide like, Hey, you know, these working conditions and, uh, you know, I, um, value, uh, it's, it's not lining up, right? Like things are not, uh, as they should be. And, you know, I don't think usually anybody wants to strike, right. But it's like a thing Mm -hmm. that sometimes has to happen. And so, yeah, without knowing a whole lot about it, I would just say like, I'm completely in support of, um, of those writers on strike. I thought it was really cool to see, um, support from a lot of people in the star Wars community, um, to see support from, from previous creators who've worked on star Wars and stuff like that. So, um, you know, like I think in a situation like this, the, uh, the support of the community is, uh, is really important to those who are kind of taking a stand and saying like, um, you know, we, uh, we refuse to, uh, to continue to produce in this case, right? Like it's a little different education. We're talking about entertainment, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. writers who are working to entertain and, uh, and, and so, you know, we, as, as, um, audience members uh, hopefully value them uh, very much in in those regards Mm -hmm. but they are working to produce entertainment that you know these massive corporate conglomerates are going to (laughs) reap the benefits of and uh, it's only fair that they feel like they are earning their share being treated fairly being compensated um because you know, regardless of the outcome of the strike, it's not like the tables are going to turn where the writers are going to be the ones that are making a ton of money off of these mm-hmm. films and these TV shows, right? It's still going to be these giant corporations that are making mm-hmm. um, most of the the windfall profits. But um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm rambling, I guess, at this point, but mm-hmm. I'm totally in support and uh, and they deserve our support. And um, they they have it from us. And I've seen that they have it from a lot of people in the Star Wars community, too, which I think is Likewise, yeah. And, you know, if this, um, you know, drags on and affects um, the release of upcoming Star Wars projects, that's fine. That's totally fine. We can, oh, yeah. you know, we can wait. So, yep. Cool. All right. Well, we will uh, continue to follow this as it develops, but hopefully, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the um, quests that are being made by the Writers Guild are met and you know, like I said, I don't think anybody wants to see this go on for a long time, but uh, I don't want to see it end until, um, you know, the, uh, the requests that are being made and the, and the, 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 the injustices, I guess, uh, or whatever you want to say that, that need to be corrected uh, are corrected. So, you know, hopefully that happens quickly. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, they have our support. So, all right, let's, let's jump into Star Wars Visions, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, this May 4th, Star Wars Visions dropped. Uh, once again, somebody come in, take away my podcast. Like, I shouldn't have a Star Wars podcast because I haven't seen all these episodes of Star Wars Visions. I bet a lot of people on our timelines and whatnot have watched them all three times already mm-hmm. or whatever. But I've been super busy. You've probably been yeah. super busy. Um, yep. So we're going to talk about the first three today, which are mm-hmm. all 
incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, we're going to talk Which about the first Which I think is good. I think it's yeah. good to kind of break it down like this because, you know, I, there was, like, technically I could have, like, lost an hour and a half of sleep and just watched all of these, like, straight through um, yeah. in the past couple days. But I, I really think it is a good thing to just kind of, like, watch one and, like, take it in. Like, really, you know, take the time to kind of, like, think about it and, you know... Um, just uh you know because like it it's jarring to like jump from one to the other i can't imagine like just watching these sequentially and being like ah i just consumed an hour and a half of star wars like because they are so disparate and um you know they have each have their own kind of things that they're trying to say um and they each have their own styles and stuff so i think it's actually like really nice to you know i would watch like i've i've only watched three i watched one before work one before bed and then one before work the next day and uh and that that felt good it gave me like plenty of time to kind of think and like reflect on on what i had seen so yeah yeah i agree i've been enjoying um kind of watching them at a slower pace you know i mean i think i probably would have Got still gotten, you know, a lot out of it if I just like barreled through them. And I'm sure a lot of people listening did just like watch them all on May 4th because that was mm-hmm. a disappointment for you. I was going to ask you how you spent your May 4th. But like I um, once I got home from work, I was not really able to uh, <laughs> to celebrate May 4th as much as I would have liked to. I did wear a Star Wars shirt to work. A lot of students brought Star Wars up. Uh, I'm an advisor for our film club at uh, my high school. Mm-hmm. So we had our film club meeting after school and it was all Star Wars, which was cool um, with students who are big Star Wars fans and other students who've never seen Star Wars or who are even kind of like not into it, you know, like never <laughs> seen it, but also have zero interest in seeing it. So it's just mm-hmm. fun to talk about Star Wars and watch some clips and stuff. Um, side note, we won't have this conversation now, but I think we've talked about it a little bit on the show before. And it's something that, that I think is really interesting. Um, there's one student in in my film club who um, has never watched Star Wars, but uh, they're open to it. They just, you know, um, haven't gotten there yet. Um, and they're like, well, what is the one to start with? Because they said it's so overwhelming. Like, what am I going to yeah. do? This is really overwhelming. I can't get into Star mm-hmm. Wars. There's so many movies. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I said uh, uh, The Force Awakens. My co-advisor was like Star Wars from 1977. Watch the Star Wars, Star Wars from 1977. Ooh. I think the, the Force Awakens, personally. Wow. But we, we could talk about it another time, probably, I guess. I, so. I'm, I'm with your co-advisor. New what do you, you say, Star Wars? Yeah. 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 Well, I had the experience, I got, I'll make it so fast because we haven't even started mm-hmm. talking about Visions yet, but I <laughs> right. had the experience of watching um, A New Hope with a group of eight or nine students a year or two ago. None, I, think, I don't think one of them had seen a Star Wars movie before, and another mm-hmm. teacher who'd never seen any Star Wars movies before. And we watched the original Star Wars, and uh, we had to do it in like 30-minute chunks or something over multiple days, and... It was not until like the third day that any of them were like, all right, yeah, maybe I kind of, okay, maybe this is cool. You know what I mean? Like, and by the time the movie was over, they were like, yeah, that was better than I thought it was going to be or whatever. But none of them were like, oh, hell yeah, Star Wars, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And I think now that movie has a very interesting opening act. You know what I mean? Uh, Oh, yeah. Or maybe a not very interesting opening act if you're a brand new audience to it. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I'm just saying if you're somebody who's like doesn't know much about Star Wars and doesn't know what to think, I'm not sure that's the one to go with, honestly. But 
we can have a whole other podcast mm-hmm. just about this topic and we yeah. can talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Star Wars Visions, I love it. I've watched the first three also. I'll talk about this as we're discussing the episodes, chapters, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. But I would really recommend people, especially if you're going to take a slower approach or whatever, watch one and then watch the behind the scenes sort of filmmaker focus videos Ooh. about them. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's been a really um, enriching experience for me. I've watched each of them that I've watched when I got done. I watched the behind the scenes about it before I moved on to the next one. And that's been super cool. So, cause otherwise if you, if you do want to watch those things, it's like, you're going to watch these nine or 10, however many episodes there are, and then go watch like nine or 10 behind the scenes features. It's like, I mean, that's cool too, but I just feel like it's very digestible and it, it's really cool to like watch the thing, sit with it for a few minutes, you know, think about it and then watch the, the commentary and the, the discussion of how it was put together before moving on to the next one. It's helping me appreciate the um, the different creative voices that are going into making these things even more. Wow, I didn't even realize there were behind-the-scenes uh, featurettes. Yeah, so oh, it is a little... It is a little um, it, it, they list the episodes by season, so you, know, you go to season two, and then all the episodes yeah. are listed there. And then there's a suggested tab, an extras tab, and a details tab. And the behind-the-scenes things are in the, the extras tab. Wow, I just—I guess I just didn't expect those, um, so I didn't—I didn't even look because that is exactly the approach I would have taken. Um, yeah, had I known, so and I can go they, back and watch them. They had them for the first season too, but I don't know. It doesn't look like they had them, or I don't know if they took some down now. That would suck if that's what they did. I don't know, but there's only there's one for Lop and Ocho, and one for Akakiri mm-hmm. from the first season. And then mm-hmm. everything else is from the second season. And I swear there were more for the first season. So I, I hope they weren't like, well, we can only put so many 10-minute extras in the extras tab. We'll take the other <laughs> ones away. I hope they didn't do that. But um, physical media, please release these. All right. Yes. Let's talk about the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, the first one is called Sith. Let's discuss mm-hmm. Sith, which is uh, gorgeous and really unique and interesting looking from a visual perspective. Yeah. Beautiful. So what, what do you think about this one? Um, I like it. Um, it's a, I think it's a great way to start. I think it's of the first three, it, I don't know. It's maybe the most simple story. I don't know. Would you, would you agree there? Um, well, I think it, there is from one perspective. Yes, because Mm -hmm. plot wise, I guess you'd say it's a very simple kind of thing, but it's, it's very, abstract also though you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so in some ways it's the most complicated story because of what is all going on you know kind of sort of there like symbolically and things like that but but yeah i mean from a plot standpoint like this woman wakes up does some painting and then fights a guy and then gets in a ship and flies away and that's the story Mm -hmm. right so and there's only two well there's three characters there's the, the 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 woman the droid companion, and then I guess the, the the main Sith guy that she battles. There there were two, uh, I think, two companions to that Sith guy also. So I guess there's more than three three main characters there. Yeah, and very little dialogue um, from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, it was gorgeous. I mean, like I think the 
the whole the way that it plays with uh, with paint and with color um, and with this woman, uh, this apprentice, maybe you could say, um, who by the end of the episode is a master, the way that she's kind of exploring, um, you know, two different sides of the force or of life existence or whatever through art and through these different colors. And, um, she's kind of creating this world for herself through this artistic expression. Um, and then when the Sith, you know, who is her master, um, comes in, he is kind of, you know, like his world is completely different. Like her world is these like white walls with this, with these paintings that she's, you know, working on all around and she's using the force to kind of manipulate colors and all this stuff. And then he comes in and he's like this, you know, very aggressive force. It's like almost, you know, pressing all of that out of, uh, out of her world. So it's, it's really, uh, compelling on that level. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, one of the other things that's interesting about the experience of watching this episode is that uh, it um, it wasn't clear to me initially that this person, this uh, apprentice, the, the, the protagonist of the episode was a Sith. I mean, I didn't really, you know, think that until much later into the episode. So that was kind of a quite the, the sort of revelation there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, you know, I guess the, the takeaway sort of for the, the episode, um, you know, as a whole or, or for that character as a whole is that, you know, she's, she's kind of, um, choosing not to pursue that life, right? Like choosing to be something different and, and, uh, and, and not be a Sith. It's, I mean, I know that these are sort of canon adjacent or, or not really, you know, full on mm-hmm. canon or whatever, but it's really interesting to see, um, a character who I guess is considered a Sith, but doesn't seem, how do I, there, there's multiple characters we've seen who have been on the precipice, um, or maybe have recently become Sith who have fallen to the dark side, you, you could say, right. And we know that there were all kinds of like positive, um, and light side elements to their persona, to their, mm-hmm. to their person, to, to who they are. But it kind of feels like usually like once they turn and make that change, then that they're consumed by the dark side. Right. And we know that people obviously can be redeemed or can return to the light side. But there's usually some agent of change that's doing that. You know, there's some catalyst that pushes them into, you know, returning to the light. Whereas like it's just interesting to see this character who seems to not really be consumed by the dark side at all, even though they are, I guess, a Sith apprentice. I I just wonder, like, what is the backstory there? You know, did she get tricked Mm -hmm. into being a Sith apprentice or like how, why is it that she seems to be much more balanced than we would expect somebody like that to be? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, that's kind of the key here is, um, is, is balance where, um, you, you see it in like, very um blunt visuals um with the with the saber um like the 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 blue and the red um kind of kind of happening there um and yeah i think that's i think that's what this is this is a um story about balance and that you can be you know um raised in one way 
or, you know, um, but, but like, very few people are just like one thing, like full, you know, the like platonic idea of like a, a Jedi or like the, um, you know, like a, a fully evil, evil Sith. Um, and I think, you know, we've been kind of exploring that um, nuance um, in Star Wars, I would say it like really kind of came to a head in, in the prequels um, where, um, you know, you have, um, you know, characters like Qui-Gon and um, even Dooku who like are like, yeah, they're like in this camp, but like they have, you know, part of them you know, in Qui-Gon's case, like, he's questioning things. Or in, like, Dooku's case, like, you know, he he feels like he's doing the right thing. And, like, that, you know, the, the organization was flawed and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dooku is the character that I sort of would think about the most in, in um, as an analog here. But even with Dooku, like, Dooku... Or, you know, maybe I'd think of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being torn apart. Like, there's not balance there, right? Even in Dooku, he's not balanced, you know? So you say, like, oh, well... Right. Yeah, it, but Qui-Gon would never find himself, you know, for years, I'm assuming years, a Sith apprentice. I mean, this person wants out, right? It's clear they want out. We, I don't think we've seen that, really, um, at least not on screen that I can think of, where mm-hmm. a character is trapped in the life of you know, being a dark side user, et cetera, whatever you want to say, but like their heart is not there, you know, at, it doesn't seem like at all, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just kind of, it's, it's really interesting from that perspective. Um, and I think in the behind the scenes video, the, the filmmakers are talking about how like towards the end, like uh, there, there's a great moment in the episode where the paint, like um, she's, she's, like it's almost like uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker to a certain extent. Like when Ray and Ben are in different locations, you know what I mean. But they're having this mm-hmm. this battle. Like they're in the same location, but like when when they cut to the Sith um, Lord character, whatever the the Master, um, it's all dark and red, and it looks you know all yeah dark and red. And then when you cut to her, she's surrounded by these white walls and stuff, right? And there's a point where like he like pushes, and it like paints the walls around her this darker color and then these like orbs or or balls of paint like she like picks up or like uses the force to like lift up these these black ones right and then she pushes them back on him so it's almost like she's using the dark side or something um but you know she's she's channeling i guess like you said like nobody's all light or all dark or you know like she's kind of channeling that energy um but it's you know, it, it it's she's still rebuking that, like the the idea of being a Sith, and she's not, you know, uh, I feel like when Anakin talks about it or Dooku talks about it or whoever, you know, they're they're like kind of enticed by the dark side and they want to, you know what I mean? And yeah. this is like something different. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think yeah, like when I when I use the prequels as an example, I meant like that's where like we started to um get those kind of um like a bit more nuance um in in the sides um but it was still like pretty um 
pretty clear cut um, by the end there. But I think that's something that's just kind of continued into like this Disney era. Um, yeah. You know, it's really well exemplified with uh, ben, ben Solo in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And I don't mean this as a as a, a criticism or a, um, a critique or anything of these stories, but I think the medium of a short film lends itself to telling stories with these sort of broad strokes, you know, like we're not, we don't have to, it, it, it's not the intention, the purpose or the, the, the job of a short film like this to really get into the, the details of her backstory and how she got there and what she may have struggled with or didn't struggle with, or mm-hmm. what's going to happen to her next or anything like that. Right. Like these are these, these, um, big, broad mythic stories that are like little, um, I don't know what you like, I don't know what the term would be. Um, uh, fables or something, you know what I mean? So versus if you're making the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy, or you're exploring a character like, like Dooku or Anakin who exist on a much larger scale in terms of the amount of storytelling you're doing, I think it would be tougher maybe to it, it's it's easier to kind of tell a broad stroke story in 10 minutes because that's all you have time for. And that's really the, only, that's the job of what this kind of film yeah. is. So you do this broad sort of thing and it's awesome. I love it. Um, yep. but yeah, it, it kind of, it's all you can and should do probably as a more kind of broad stroke sort of story with something like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, it's just gorgeous to look at them. I'm, I'm just kind of like scrubbing through on my iPad as we're talking about it. And there's so many shots that are absolutely beautiful. Um, the studio, uh, Ryan, I meant to ask you if you're like familiar with, cause I think you know more for sure about like animation and that kind of thing than I do. You follow this kind of stuff a little more than me. If you knew much about this studio that did this one, I think it's called, I'll have to look it up. El Guiri. Yeah, Geary, Geary, I think it's a Spanish studio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just know um, some t- tidbits from um, StarWars.com. The director was uh, Rodrigo uh, Blas, and he um, worked on, he's an animation veteran, um, worked on Ice Age um, at Blue Sky, and then um, moved over to Pixar and worked on Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Wall-E, um, and then most recently, um, he partnered with Guillaume del Toro to develop uh, Troll Hunters. Um, wow! Yeah. All right. See, I'm and glad I asked you because 2021, I didn't know. In 2021, <laughs> he created this studio and went independent. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, oh man, and, and uh, the, the behind the scenes for this is incredible. It's only like 10 minutes long. And there's all these little B-roll shots of them in the studio with like like little filming things. Practic- uh, practically, is not the right. Filming things live action. I don't know what the right way to put it is. But they've got lights set up and they've got like, he's like dropping colors into w- little vats of water and they're record- filming it and stuff. Whoa. And I would just love to see a more in-depth um, breakdown of how this was made because 
they're definitely, you know, doing multiple layers and filming, you know, drawing things, filming things like putting, I just would love to see how this is all composited and, and put together mm-hmm. from various sources because it's so striking. And they talk about just, you know, very briefly, um, it's sort of the process and it's like really, really interesting and intriguing. So I'd love to know uh, more about that, but anyway, uh, yeah, this is, this is incredible. Um, really great way to start it off. I mean, it was star Wars visions. The first one, they kicked it off with a really incredible first episode. Um, I feel like that's the same for, for this one. Yeah. Um, and it leads really well, I think in terms of ideas into the next one, which is screechers reach, which was made by, God, the name, it rhymes. What is the name of the studio for this Cartoon one? Cartoon Saloon. Cartoon Saloon, yeah, in mm. Ireland. And, yeah, uh, man, it's so I'm, Irish. It, it, the, the short is so Irish, absolutely. I love yeah. it. I it's love incredible. It. Yeah. Um, there, there's something amazing about the the sort of like the, oh, man, I don't know, just taking that that part of the world, those myths, those stories, that iconography, you know, the caves, the mountains, like the forest, all that kind of stuff, almost medieval kind of imagery, um, fantasy sort of stuff, and, and, and bringing that into Star Wars in this way is like really, really cool. But also looking at the behind the scenes uh, video, I'm like, I want to go there. I want to go to Cartoon Saloon, or I just want to go to the city or the town in Ireland where it's made mm. because it's unbelievable it's gorgeous um you got to watch that behind the scenes and just see like the the city they live in and where their studio is it's like oh my god it's beautiful so yeah yeah i think um one thing i do want to mention um now uh as as this is kind of getting brought up like i because i just the the irish accents um in this were um so like whoa this is super irish um like uh it was just very noticeable and i do um so something i do think is you know the first star wars visions was um focused on japanese animation studios it was all japanese animation studios and um and so they were there were dubbed versions of all of them um but then, like, you could also just watch them in the original Japanese, which is what I did. And um, with this, um, and and for either of those options, whether you're doing sub, subs or dubs um, there, like, you're getting kind of, like, a, a uniform um, experience in the, in the voice acting. Like, obviously, there's different voice actors, um, and, you know... Um, all of the voice acting across the board was incredible in Star Wars Visions, but you're getting them from either, like, Japanese or, like, uh, you know, uh, Lucasfilm animation voice actors. Um, So, but here, what I really love, um, you know, just through these first three um, shorts in Visions 2, is that you're getting... Um, you're getting Star Wars from these like different regions and like that di- that dialect is intact. And so you're you're you know, we we talk about like wanting and getting Star Wars from like different voices. Like this is the the literal of that. You're yeah, um, you're getting these um, different 
different um, voices, um, you know, regional dialects. Um, you know, it's um, everything has been in English so far. Um, but um, yeah, it's like the the um, the dialects is just like very cool to to get that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, actually, with the first one, um, Sith, the director, uh, I believe it was the director, was talking about casting the two main voice actors um, and wanting to cast someone who could sound the same, or I think basically said that they could do the recording in both English and Spanish. So that it would be the same voice actor in both languages. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like, other they're going to do dubs for other languages for this stuff, right. I, I assume, you know. Although, I don't know. I don't know how that works when you watch, uh, it, you know, Disney Plus if you live in Norway or, you know. I, well, I don't know. Where, I mean, but, typically, you know, Disney um, has uh, a wealth of um, dubs and subtitles yeah. Yeah. Um, for every for literally everything on there there's a lot of options gotcha all right cool let's talk about screechers reach was which was a really really great um i just initially just the character designs like the 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 aesthetic or the the art style of like the just depicting the actual faces and and the characters i was like mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm i'm totally into it or not but by the end i mm-hmm. loved it uh by yep. the end i loved it it's just um, different. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like you're going from these like very different art styles cuz and yeah, like the, I mean there's things that like you know, I would say like instant there's like things where like instantly I'm like I love that like just from like a single a single screen grab or like something where I'm like ah, I'm not so sure about that, but then yeah. you know, oftentimes like oh, okay, like now that I've seen it like in motion and like you know, yep throughout like it works yeah totally and and the character well the the main character for sure um but all of them really i just felt like they were so well characterized visually speaking um Mm -hmm. and obviously a huge part of that was the voice acting and the the scripting and all that too but just you know by the end i just felt like they were so expressive and like i really understood their emotions and their perspectives and all that and felt attached to them and and uh I just thought it really worked in terms of storytelling, you know? So, um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, it just totally won me over. Um, and it was just the character kind of like faces was the only thing that I was not really sure about. Cause everything else I thought like the environments and the, the, yeah, everything was beautiful. Um, but I was like, I don't know if I really like the way they're choosing, you know, just the style of how they're, you know, de- depicting these characters, faces basically um Mm. but like i said like i was so attached to them by the time it was over i don't know how i could really critique it at this point because it just completely you know won me over um especially the main character and the thing about this story right so um and i learned this from watching the behind the scenes feature app but i forget what Mm. they call them workhouses or something like that but this is like all very um um inspired by irish history uh or the irish landscape or irish culture or whatever like the whole thing um which is so i mean another reason that the star wars visions project is so incredible because like Mm -hmm. these creators are bringing their own unique kind of voices and perspectives and telling their own personal stories um you know through star wars but uh yeah um they were saying that they were you know trying to put um the like these work houses or whatever they were called where all these, these kids were, you know, kind of stuck. Um, that was like just star Wars defying 
a real thing from Irish history. If Dave was here, uh, I'm sure he could tell us every all the details about this Man. from Irish history. Uh, we don't know it unless you do. Yeah. I don't know. No, but, I don't. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. And then, you know, the director was talking about how um, certain parts of the landscape in in the episode or in, in the short were like straight from when he was on vacation in when he was on holiday in um, <laughs> I forget where, but somewhere in Ireland, you know, so it's just like, yeah, really cool. Like how much and, and I think they were saying that their whole studio is really um, like they really draw from like Irish mythology and fables and storytelling and that kind of thing. Um, mythology. So it was really cool to see how that's all translated into this short creatures reach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from like, um, the way I, I mean, that's, that's all, that's super interesting. And that is definitely, um, you know, part of the, um, you know, the, the themes of, um, this, uh, this short, um, I think for me, without that knowledge, like, the the way I kind of interpreted this is like kind of like an inverse of the um the Luke Ray story where you know it's someone who is um you know kind of stuck in you know stuck in a place stuck in a situation but you know wants better things wants a better life and is destined for a different life um there's some like just really excellent dialogue i think like early on is like immediately i was like pretty hooked when there was like the conversation about you know you know there are there are worse lives that you can Mm. have and then yeah um you know the the main character responds like there are better lives and um and i thought that was that was excellent and um it's primal yeah. star wars it's primal star wars mm-hmm. you know and then the the other character is like yeah but who's going to look after these ones if i leave you know what i mean like that sense of obligation to the place you come from and the people mm-hmm. in your life versus the pull to you know the, the the call to adventure or the pull just to sort of maximize your potential and um and push yourself to become whatever it is you you potentially could become right that's like that is like the core that's core star wars right there it you is know? so yep. yeah yeah there's um you know some hero's journey in there or in this case villain's journey um but yeah it's so like quintessentially star wars yeah and then she goes into that cave and uh, it's pretty terrifying um, and it feels very, you know, like, again, like it's it's so of that part of the world and so of that that part of the world's mythology. You know what I mean? Um, the mm-hmm. witch in the cave, like it just felt so uh, visually it was incredible. Uh, they talked about a little bit um, in the behind the scenes how they used a different animation process to create that witch or you know whatever you want to call it in the cave and and uh and how you know it 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 kind of was really um yeah it's just it's so intense and and so effective um the the look of that whole thing but i was really struck by the fact that this is like this clearly very pure-hearted or kind-hearted character who 
you know, is, is feeling like there's, there's more that I can achieve. There's more that I can do. Like I need to escape this place, whatever. Um, but just completely being seduced and pulled in, uh, by this manipulative, you know, dark side, the Sith. Um, and so like when that monster is revealed to just kind of be this old woman trapped under a rock, you know, uh, and, this pure hearted person like uses that lightsaber to, I mean, I think the implication is that she kills that old woman, obviously. Right. Um, and is then like pulled away by this Sith. It's just like, wow, that's, uh, it's, it's incredible to because I felt so attached to the character and felt like she was so, um, good. And it's just like heartbreaking to see her, you know, get away from this oppressive life that she's stuck in, but, only to be pulled into, you know, the dark side. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that cave um, for a bit. Um, you know, we're, we here on the show are always big fans of when Star Wars does horror. Um, and I think this is some of the best Star Wars horror um, ever. It's like the, you know, just the darkness, the, the the screaming the screaming is just so terrifying <laughs> um that um you know it felt it felt super effective um for me in this case oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um it was very very intense very scary um and yeah i think uh, i'm a big fan of when star wars does fantasy also which is like all the mm-hmm. time but like that's mm-hmm. you know lightsabers and the force and you know the cave on dagobah and you know yep. like the the fantasy stuff is some of my favorite parts of star wars um that was something we were talking about in our film club meeting the other day too well i don't really like sci-fi i was like oh man star wars is not sci-fi though i mean yeah. you know sometimes it is a little bit but like that's really not that's not what i would you know primarily describe it as and that's not what i'm drawn to in it and i think yeah. because it is a mix of a lot of different genres you know the western and uh the the fantasy and and sci-fi and other things like it's just like you know there is something there for most people and uh and you know yeah this one leaning heavily into the fantasy uh side of things is um a big part of what pulled me into and you know the cave is i mean that's um on a symbolic level um just on a visual level it's uh yeah it's incredible there's great conversation around the cave too because um you know one of the characters is like this is this is a really bad place and then you know our main character says some bad places are here to test us and that's um you know that's very much um the the cave on Dagobah um and um you know we it the the hole in uh last jedi um but uh yeah i think um i don't know where i was where i was going with this but um i i think it's it is like you i i don't know like you're you're when you're watching this for the first time like it's hard to kind of you're not really sure, like, oh, is this just going to be like a, like a, 
a Dagobah situation where this character like confronts their fears or like a, you know, last Jedi situation where the, this character um, confronts this like doubt or um, you know, whatever. Um, But like, this is actually um, the character being kind of manipulated by the dark side here. Um, There's, there's like this amulet, um, that is kind of guiding them. Um, and then we, we find out that it is, um, you know, the, the, um, the Sith, um, character that, that does show up at the end. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like when you don't have all that information, um, it is, uh, you know, you're not you're not really sure um, which way this is going to go, and then you know you um, there's just this like terrifying like Blair Witch happening in this cave, and you know the um, the the character confronts them, and like you know there that character is kind of um, you know like they they win like a fight and then you're like okay that character you know the the witch isn't a threat anymore like this is this is a good thing and then you get to the point where um the main character picks up the lightsaber and kills them and you're like oh well i guess this is the route that we're going here <laughs> um and you know there is like that very um you know dis- noticeable change and then you know they they come out and um they're a different person um when they when they leave that that cave yeah yeah um yeah absolutely the witch was never a threat in fact unless you go into her home and you know whatever right so mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah uh did you know that the uh, sith at the end there is angelica houston voiced by angelica houston I did yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. Wow. If you were like, huh, am I watching the Royal Tenenbaums all of a sudden or something? That's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I recognized her voice right away. And then I was like, I'm, I'm like, but it's not, right? It couldn't be. And I checked the credits and it is. Um, and uh, a rel- you, there's a name you'll know in the uh, cre- the voice credits for the fourth episode either, but I won't tell you who it is since mm, you haven't watched it okay. yet. Okay. Um, all right, Ryan, I don't have a lot of time left. So let's talk um, quickly about In the Stars. Mm -hmm. which is about two sisters who are the last of their kind fighting for survival when Imperial forces discover them. This is quintessential Star Wars as well. The Empire has come in. They have um, abused and and misused the resources of this planet. Um, They have wiped out the population of this planet, and it seems like there are just two sisters left um, who, uh, who have survived. Their mother was a force user. Their mother was very brave and took on the Empire, um, but she, along with the rest of the planet's population, did not survive that battle. Um, and so we have these two sisters who are struggling to survive. Uh, one who's more pragmatic and is like, let's just sneak in, get clean water when we can, and just eke out our existence here. And the other who says, no, we can we can face them. We can destroy the Empire. You know, uh, We can do what, we can finish the job that our mother started. And uh, so it's super inspiring on that level. Um, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just thinking like, okay, but they, this little girl who like keeps reaching out her hand toward the forest, like, and nothing happens, Mm -hmm. like, 
she can't actually take on this massive, you know, imperial, you know, kind of factory or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's so quintessentially Star Wars. It's a natural element that defeats the technological, you know, through the force, through the bond mm-hmm. between these two family members, and also through just water washing away this technological, you know, terror of uh, of the Empire there. So uh, all that was uh, super inspiring. And then also, um, I love, too, that there's this thread, you know, kind of between this one and the first one of um, artistic expression being, mm-hmm. you know, one yeah. one kind of power or, or I guess, like um, one way of using the force. And uh, I thought it was really beautiful and inspiring how, you know, she she painted, you know, through the force, this, you know, kind of tribute to her mother and uh, the citizens of that planet on that uh, on that rock wall, um, too. So just so much incredible stuff in this episode. Yeah. Um, initially this was one that the art style wasn't my favorite. Um, I think, um, just the style of animation, um, was, is just not typically like my preferred style of animation. Um, but I, it, you know, like you said with the last one, by the end, it won me over because of strong um, characterization and strong direction. Um, and I think what I really loved about this um, episode is, you know, basically what you were saying. Um, I think this episode did a really good job talking um, or showing the environmental impact of the Empire. Um and how um how you know common people will fight for i guess they're uncommon um but you know non-empire people will fight for the you know survival of their um their people their um home worlds their land um so it is um you know kind of like what i i've never seen the movies but it's kind of what i think avatar is about um but it's like a way of um telling telling uh that story in 15 minutes as opposed to 17 hours Um, i was just gonna say a 17 minute version of avatar after (laughs) sitting through the three and a half hour version or whatever sounds kind of primo you know to be honest with you but um but uh (laughs) Yeah, this is the the true way of water because uh, that water uh, wipes wipes out um, that um, imperial installation here. Yeah, um, and you know, in in the process, kind of restores the um, the the water of um, this this area. So. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was so hopeful and uplifting and, mm-hmm. and the conclusion being like, you know, the, it, it, you know what it reminded me of to a certain extent, Ryan, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but it reminded me kind of of the opening of uh, Breath of the Wild, I feel like, or um, maybe mm-hmm. Wind Waker too, where mm-hmm. you have a story being told like on a tapestry or whatever, but it's sort of being drawn in front of you. And like, so as she was yeah. painting on that rock wall, it kind of was like that, but just like at the end seeing like, 
the clouds part and it's like, oh, now this now the stars can see us again or whatever. Like we can see mother, you know, we see her up there. And then like watching that star kind of rise up from between the, that rock wall, those two parts of that rock wall or whatever, and lift up and the other stars start to, and then it kind of like the, the, the short ended on that star sort of twinkling up there in the sky. I mean, it's so, uh, it's very like straightforward. Um, but also I just thought it was like beautiful, you know, I don't know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. very Ghibli esque as well. Um, just like a real, um, you know, y- using, just using fantasy, science fiction, whatever to, um, tell a story about people and about nature yeah. and the, the relationship and, you know, modern progression and industrial growth. Yeah, and I loved, you know, the first chapter or whatever, Sith, which is more abstract um, and kind of, you know, definitely requires some more interpretation of the symbolism and and the imagery. But I also loved, like, how this one was just, like, very straightforward and, like, what you see is what you get. And in the beginning, you know, when the little girl walked up to the wall and started painting the story on there or whatever, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this might be a little abstract, too, or whatever. But by the end, I was like... This one's very, very straightforward and just very hopeful and, and uplifting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, phenomenal. Um, and obviously, visually, uh, completely different than the other two as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is like claymation, I guess you'd say, or or not claymation, but <laughs> it's like, like kind of like stop motion, stop motion CG, um, kind of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder. Um, yeah, we'd love to know more about how this was put together because then the next one is a similar style. This is, we're not talking about it because you haven't watched it yet. And also mm-hmm. I got to go. But uh, the next one is like of the Wallet and Gromit style, right? I think it's from people involved with Wallace and Gromit. Um, and it has mm-hmm. a Wallace and Gromit kind of feel. So, um, but it's also very, very, uh, very Star Wars. Very, very Star Wars. So Looking I'll just tell you that it. before you watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, cool. All right. Well, we have to wrap the show up there, Ryan. Um, I am looking forward to watching more visions and uh, discussing more visions in probably our next episode. Um, so until then, you can find all of our previous episodes, posts, etc. at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to tell us what you thought about visions, favorite episodes, etc., or just reach out to the show about any topic, um, you can email the show blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Almost forgot the email address for a second mm-hmm. there. Blockade Runner Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Viamalay, V A Y A M A L A Y, and Standard Definition Gaming, uh, Def Stand 480. And on May the 4th, I posted a bunch of old Star Wars games um, mm. clips on there. And uh, that was super fun. Love doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I went a whole episode without mentioning it, but we have our Discord up and running as well. So if you want to pop in there, we're having great Star Wars discussions all the time, and we would love for you to join us there. So um, until next time, thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast.